I can't help it if you are not well read. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about parenting, marriage, mm, books, no, writing, and publishing. You know, 91 episodes. How can <laughs> you not remember that? I can't get it. I almost said motherhood, but that's because I saw mother over the weekend, and I think it's on my head, on my mind. Ah. Yeah. Um, that was a doozy of a movie. Anyway, this is Morgan Maiden. With me is my husband and co-host, Barry Liga. Hey, everybody. Listen, we're going to do something different for this episode. What? We have a pop quiz to take. Oh, God. Uh-huh. The pop quiz is titled, Are You Ready for Parenthood? <laughs> uh. A quiz for couples on the precipice. And it's by Claire Zulke. Uh, it was posted on Medium last week, and it's fairly tongue-in-cheek, obviously, because okay. a, a, such a quiz would not really exist or be accurate so um but i had a friend who posted it on facebook and the comments were i actually really enjoyed the discussion that ensued afterwards and participated in it myself and anyway i thought um i thought there were some gems here that we could talk about okay so we are going to take this pop quiz oh god number one i'm actually hopping around there's like a list of 20 here 15 so i'm just gonna hop around to some of my favorite ones okay okay all right do you have family nearby or the kind of help that you can truly depend on? I mean, I feel like that's a pretty obvious one. Do you have family nearby? Because that's helpful. I, I mean, yeah, what what defines nearby? Uh, well, I guess, I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. Obviously a relative term. But yeah. um, it is one of the first things I feel like people talk about when they are debating whether or not to have kids. It's like, oh, but I don't have any family nearby. So right. it's going to be hard because I won't have My family is help. so far away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that was a pretty serious one. And so as I was, as I was reading this, I was like, oh, this is going to be a yeah. serious list. I'm, I'm totally intrigued. I like this one. Have you ever worked anonymously? Can you thrive without getting recognized for your toils? Is it possible to make do without bylines or praise or end of your bonuses or thanks or smiles or eye contact? <laughs> <laughs> I will say we get plenty of smiles. We do now, yes. But, um, but I thought, you know... Uh, once in in my first job, my first yeah. professional job, um, when I was doing a lot of ghostwriting, like as part of my job is, of course, to to write things for other people. And we were having a conversation once, my, my team and I, and my boss said something about how her whole career has been ghostwriting for other people. And I made a comment about like, oh, it sure would be nice to get your name mentioned once in a while. Right. And she was all very like sort of offended by my comment uh, and was like, no, uh, I don't do this for me. I right. do this for that. You the know, nobility like, of the work. Yes. Yes. It's so funny, that made though, me think of this. I do. I do remember, uh, you know, I, I wrote something once, you know, went back when I had a job that went viral, uh, in terms of early internet viral, like nineties internet <laughs> viral. Uh, I wrote something for one of our publications. It was a top David Letterman, top 10 style list. Okay. Um, and it was pretty funny. And one day I'm poking around online and I see somebody say, hey, you know, did you ever think about? And then they ran this list. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, dude, That's I wrote that. And and I was furious that, that this person without attribution had just posted this. <gasps> oh. And and I was I was very, very angry and very put out. That's so, really funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Here's a good one. <laughs> Are you secure enough in your relationship that you can spend a few cumulative years just plain not liking your partner and still have enough goodwill to coast? <laughs> hmm. That one's funny. Um, I mean, I will say, whoo, those, those first couple of months after a first kid, I think. They're tough. They're, they're tough on everyone, and they're yeah. certainly tough on the couple going through it. Yeah, and, and, and definitely, you know, the, the previous question about, you know, not getting smiles or anything like that. You know, our son smiles constantly uh-huh. now just at the sight of us. But certainly those first, the, the first two months maybe, yeah. he's just, a baby is just a ball of greed and anger. Like yes. It's like, uh-huh. feed me, change me, put me to sleep. Why haven't you done any of these things yet? Oh, you did it? You did it too late. I hate you. <laughs> and and it, that's what it is. Like there's no joy. There's no smile. There's uh-huh. no cute cooing or anything like that. That all comes after... You know, after, after a weeks. little while, yeah. yeah. So yeah, those those are tough times. Yeah. All right. This one is particularly relevant to me. Would your self esteem allow you to feel unstylish or frumpy or simply unattractive or simply invisible for a few years for the rest of your life? For a few years. <laughs> I was just thinking the other day. My twin sister posted a photo of her with some friends, and they all looked like it looked like an album cover. Like they were sitting on a front stoop in Brooklyn, and. They were all impeccably dressed in that nice Brooklyn way. And, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I'm literally in a stained T-shirt <laughs> and stained yoga pants and stained flip-flops. And I haven't washed my hair in two days. And it, it was just one of those yeah. things where I was like, I really need to step up my game. But then I think about on days when I'm not at work, like, there's there's really no point in stepping up your game because right. you get spit up on all the time. I mean, I realized one day that. You know, I was wearing a, a T-shirt that I, I don't even particularly like. It's not even a good T-shirt. And I realized I'd worn it twice that week. I guess it, it cycled through the laundry sure. fast enough that I wore it twice that week. And I realized it was the kind of thing that I just typically would wear, like, to mow the lawn or something like that. Yeah. And I realized I'd gone to the grocery store. Uh. I'd gone to the doctor <laughs> wearing this this T-shirt. And I realized I just did not care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because... Yeah, the baby spits up. The baby pees. The baby, you know, just <laughs> the baby. You're feeding the baby food, and the baby laughs and sprays food all over you. Like, who cares? That is our new thing. Is as his uh, spitting up has eased off yes. because he's growing. Now he, of course, eats real food and has discovered how to spit it out at you and thinks it's the funniest. It thinks it's thing. the most hilarious thing in the world to watch you go flying. And it really does spray yeah. everywhere. It's cute. Um, I will say that that this is more difficult for you than for me. Not because you're a woman, but because you have a twin sister. So it's like there's this alternate version of you walking around that that can dress better because she doesn't have a, a baby attached to her. And that that's not fair to you yeah, at all. Yeah, it is very funny. Yeah. Um, I do. It's long been on my to-do list, and I haven't done it yet, to go through my drawers in my closet to weed out all of those, like, immediate postpartum shirts that I used to wear. Uh. That I didn't mind if the, I got, you know, milk on them or whatever. Right. And for some reason, they're, like, still hanging around in my in our bedroom. And I'm like, I have yeah. to get rid of these because then I, I end up putting it on. And <laughs> I'm like, there. no. Right. And yeah. then I'm like, no, take it yeah. off. You look yeah. horrible. Take it off. All right. So that's a funny one. Okay. I like this one. And this is a serious one. Okay. How is your self-control? Do you think that you have it in you to be the angriest, most frustrated, and most exhausted you've ever been, and then suddenly shunt that anger elsewhere? Wow. Yeah. 
Wow. I read something once a, a former coworker of mine um, found an, an essay about this and then sent it to me, and I was like, right after, right after our first kid, and it was so true, which was um, something about what are the similarities between being a, a mom and being a publicist? <laughs> and it was all about how, like, you know, when it's 6 a.m. and you're at an event or you're on a press call or whatever, you have to be chipper and happy yeah. and have a smile on your face. And it's the same thing with your kids. Like, right. even though they're waking you up at 5 a.m., when you go in there to get them, don't be a dick, you know? So, <laughs> um, which I think about a lot because, yeah, and it, it's true. You have to take these these emotions you have when you're operating on no sleep and... Um, redirect them completely right okay and finally this is number 14 out of the list of 15 i think it should be the the last one because i think it is actually quite beautiful ready yep do you feel like the bionic man up to being shattered beyond repair barely alive and then without a rest period slowly become better stronger faster in ways you never imagined oh i would love that (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then I like her ending too. If you answered yes to most of these questions, you are still not remotely ready to become a parent, but you're probably ready enough. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> so funny. funny. I mean, you're, we've talked about this before. You're never ready. There's no such thing as being ready. Yeah. The, there's just, there's just being ready to commit to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, but you cannot possibly prepare. Right. Um, the, the only thing you can do. People have sometimes said to me, what's your one piece of advice? Like, oh, my, I'm having a baby. What, what's your one piece of advice? I tell them, bring your own swaddle to the hospital. <laughs> it is the, the number one, I would say, top piece of actual practical yeah. advice that yeah. you need. And it, it sounds crazy, but it's like it will actually make a difference. It's a, it's a game changer, really. Yeah. yeah. All right. So while we're t- still talking about parenting, uh, I wanted to share some news and some stories about our kids recently because there have been some cute things. Um, but mostly it's about, um, how to manage your weighted expectations on the people your children will become. So (laughs) this past weekend, our daughter took her first dance class. Yes, she did. Um, first of all, there's literally nothing cuter than a little girl in a tutu. Especially no, no, hang on, hang on. Nothing cuter than a little girl in a tutu who loves the fact that she's wearing a tutu. (laughs) Yes. Like, yeah. if it's a little girl in a tutu who's kind of like, dude, why'd you put me in this getup? That's, <laughs> That's cute, cute yeah. but not that cute. This is adorable <laughs> when she is just like, look what I'm wearing and dancing around and prancing around and spinning around. Yeah, it's adorable. But so here's what happened. That's how she was at home right. when I dressed her. And, and then we went off to dance class. She was super excited when we got to the dance building, posing for pictures, twirling around, doing all of that. And then it was time for actual class, during which parents were not allowed to be in the room. And they also didn't even have, like, a viewing window, so we couldn't watch her. Right. Which was very hard for me. And she lost it a little bit. Yep. I mean, I'm trying to remember that she is not even three. And that's quite young for a dance class. But this is a dance class for three and four year olds, so she's um, we had to get special permission first of all because she missed the age cutoff. Special by a dispensation of weeks. from the Pope, uh huh, and the dance Pope. And um, how awesome would that be if there was a dan- <laughs> if there was a dance Pope? Come on, that feels like a new reality show, dance Pope. <sighs> dance Pope. Anyway, um, so she's the I'm sure she's the youngest kid in the class. Period. Yeah. Um, because she technically shouldn't even be in it yet. So I was having all these mixed emotions while I knew she was in a room behind closed doors with no windows crying, and I was sitting outside of it, unable to 
be with her because God, what if she hates dancing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't ever, I don't want to be someone who forces stuff on our kids, but I do want her, them to try things throughout the years, of course, and, and to give things a fair try. And my mom always tells the story of how um, my first dance class, Kelly and I were four, and then um, we had turned five right before the end of the, the year. So um, we were four when we started dance class, and I cried and cried and cried, did not want to be a part of it. And then when it was time for the recital at the end of the year, I actually refused to get off the stage. <laughs> so these things can obviously change, but I don't know. I've just thinking, been thinking a lot lately about what is, um, you know, we all... Whether we realize it or not, we all have uh, expectations of our kids. And I think, uh, of course, hopes and anxieties about what they will or will not like. You always joke, you hope our kids don't like soccer. Right. Right. What if they do? Oh, I'm going to be miserable. <laughs> but, like, will you? Or because it's your kids, will that change things for you? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, you talked before about having to mask the the sleep deprivation and anger and rage yeah. and, and all that stuff, you know, when you're around your kids. And there is a part of me that goes, all right, you know, if, if my kids end up playing soccer, will I just fake it? Right. Or will I actually end up loving soccer because it's my kids? Right. And I right. hope I don't yeah. end up loving soccer because I hate soccer. But <laughs> but we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, what happens and, and hopefully, hopefully everybody will be happy. That's my goal for everybody to be happy. Well, a but, lofty goal. Indeed. Yes, indeed. But it is interesting that you bring this up because right around the time you signed Leia up for dance class, I stumbled upon an article in the Washington Post, and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes, uh, where a woman was talking about how she had signed her kid up, I believe her three-year-old for dance class. Okay. And her three-year-old hated it. Aww. And it was all about how... It was all about how it's appropriate for kids not to like certain things at this age, yeah. and it's okay, and don't force them, and and just prepare yourself for the I don't know if she said likelihood or just or just possibility that you're gonna push your kid into something your kid's gonna hate it, not just not like it, but actually hate it, yeah, and just prepare. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. it's fine. It's not the end of the world. Like if you if you send your kid off to dance class and your kid hates it. It's not the end. So right. what? It's yeah, not the end of the world. Yeah. And I remember reading it and wanting to share it with you, but not. But then thinking that you would think that I was saying, "Oh, hey, by the way, she don't she's even bother because she's going to hate it. So you might as well not put her <laughs> in the first place." Which wasn't what I was getting at. It was just. It was just, "Hey, she might not like it, and that's okay." Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly not a stage mom by any stretch of the. Well, they won't the let you in the room, so yeah, you right? can't yeah. be a stage Lit mom. Quite literally, not a stage mom. Um. But, you know, it's not like I was a failed Rockette and I have very high hopes on my daughter being a Rockette. So, you, wait, so you were I'm a successful to... Rockette? No, it's, no like I, it's not like I was someone who was aching to be a Rockette and didn't make it. Oh. Yes. A failed Rockette wannabe or Got something. It. Yes. Smartass. Anyway, um, so it was interesting. But, God... She was cute in her little tutu. She was very cute. She and was very cute. And she came out. She decided to show me how to dance. Oh. And I guess they did a little tap. Yeah, it's a it's and, a combo class yeah. for those of you who yeah. are wondering. It's ballet, tap, and jazz. So the first thing she does is she goes, Daddy, I dance. And she stomps her foot. <laughs> Just one foot. That's it. Stomps her foot. And like I'm like, great, sweetheart. And we talk about pretending. I'm like, that's great dancing. Yeah. It was really funny. Yeah. yeah. She uh, So she went in. 
into the classroom crying. Yep. And then when Miss Lisa, their teacher, led them all out, she was crying. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, did she cry the whole time? And Lisa said, no, she was off and on. But the way she said it makes me think, no, she probably mostly cried. Yeah, yeah. But she still learned something. <laughs> she learned. And which also, is amazing. Like, she was fine as soon as I got her. Right. And she was in her tap shoes, which I hadn't seen her in yet, in her in her yeah. um, leotard and tights and, and tutu. And... Um, I calmed her down and we went to a quieter place because, my God, the dance studio was packed. There were like seven classes happening at once, overlapping. But anyway, so took her to a quiet part to go change her back into her street clothes and realized that she was in tap shoes. And I, I was a tapper and tap was my favorite. And I'm still often caught tapping in elevator banks and the like when I'm wearing heels. And I asked her to tap. And mm. she, so I redirected her and she seemed to really love the tapping. Hmm. I think she just would have preferred tapping with if, with mommy in the room, yeah. you know? Um, this is a kid who likes making noise with her feet. She true. likes stomping. She likes jumping. She likes kicking. So I think tap is probably yeah. right up her alley. Yeah. So anyway, um, that was very sweet. And, and yes, it is a, a wonder and a joy watching our almost three-year-old become herself. Yes. So. All right, let's move along from parenting because who wants to hear us rave about our kids? I mean, I guess the listeners do, but but that's probably enough. Uh, I came across a super funny article. I didn't tweet it or anything, so Barry, I don't know if you've seen this. I'm laughing, but also kind of intrigued and feel like this, there's probably a significant market for this. You can now hire a book doula. <laughs> <laughs> of course you can. Only in the geographic borders of Brooklyn, I'm sure. Well, so The Guardian published this piece, and kudos to them for this title. Are you ready? I am ready. Book doulas, the new way to push your writing into the world. Oh, God. <laughs> should we explain what a doula is, and just in case should. somebody listening doesn't know? Yes. Um, so doulas are used primarily in the context of pregnancy. There's someone that the, the pregnant person hires to be with them during the whole actual labor and delivery. And sort of be like an advocate for them. Exactly. And, Their primary yeah. role is to be the advocate for the yeah. mother. So if you are someone who is um, dead set against, say, an epidural um, or dead set against a C-section or something like that, your doula is there to um, make sure that the doctors and nurses in the room are listening. Because you may not be in a mental space to... Be your own best advocate. Exactly. Yeah. A friend of mine used a doula for both of her births. Yes, and I know lots of doulas. Very, and, very highly mm -hmm. of, of the idea. Uh, the idea of a book doula still fills me with mirth. I, it is very funny. So um, here we go. Distinguishing themselves from agents and editors, book doulas offer a sort of coaching service, a kind eye to reassure nervous authors who are having trouble getting their book published. So there's one in particular, um, I don't want to tag anyone here, that feels a little strange, but um, she calls herself an editorial coach and consultant, aka a book doula, and refers to her services as book birthing. So it sounds like, as, as I read this article, it's someone who's not quite an editor, not quite an agent, not quite a book publicist, not quite a book, book marketer, but someone who really you're paying to help you do something with your writing right but is this somebody you're hiring like your book is going to be published no. and you're hiring this person to get the best launch possible or is this somebody you're hiring to try to get your book published i think it uh could be both 
um, because it seems to depend on what your books, your goals are with regards to your writing. So, yes. Um, there, man, every time I think we have figured out how to wring every last penny out of desperate wannabe writers, somebody comes <laughs> along. Somebody comes along. Uh-huh. Um, there are things like uh, an, an entire self-publishing package where the book doula will design your cover, edit the book, proofread it, and then also do all the designing and formatting for Kindle. And This almost sounds less like a new thing and more like rebranding of an old thing. I mean, there were always people who were going to do this for you. Okay. There were always people who were going to, you know, help you figure out how to self-publish your book and so on and so forth. And it just sounds like... By calling it a book doula, it sounds gentler and it sounds homeopathic yes, and it yeah. sounds, forgive me, maternal and helpful as opposed to I'm pay me to do all the things you could figure out how to do yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I sort of rolled my eyes while reading this whole piece, but then I got to the comments uh -oh. and the top comment I think is very indicative of, of the reason that a book doula may exist or an industry for book doulas may exist, which is it's impossible to get a publisher. It's impossible to get an agent. New talent must be perfect the first time. Nobody has time to nurture anymore. Thus, the industry has created a fuzzy monster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, you know, it has become more and more difficult to, to break in. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And, you know, historically, what happens is, as it becomes more difficult to break in, what happens is, you know, you get these new layers, and they start off as gates, and then they become fences. And it becomes more and more difficult to get through. So, for example, it used to be, back in the day, believe it or not, in these here United States, any random human being could take a manuscript and send it completely unsolicited to a major publisher, and that publisher would actually read it. Wow. And reject it usually but you could do that <laughs> then at some point publishers stopped accepting unsolicited manuscripts yep. which made agents more important yep and as a result that you had to get an agent and then the agent it became a little bit the agent became a gateway because now the agent was your path to the publisher but now it's getting harder and harder to find an agent because the agents are overwhelmed right we've talked about this on this uh -huh. show a lot we won't go into it again but agents are overwhelmed and swamped. And so, yeah, now you have this person, this book doula, who's going to hold your hand and potentially help get you to the agent. Right. Um, you and know, it sounds like and eventually, a lot of it is just for support. Eventually, the book doulas will be too busy for you, <laughs> and there will be book whatever the IVF. hell. Book IVF. Know, yeah, yeah, whatever. Book fertilize, mm -hmm. fertilization specialists. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, I, I do want to clarify. I love doulas. I just don't know that we need book doulas. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it, it's very interesting. There are more books being published now than at any other time in history. There are more ways to publish now than at any other time in history. And yet it is more difficult to get in than at any yeah, other time in history. that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that comment is right. You know, I, I tell my students, I tell the, the people that I mentor, you have to be perfect the first time. Yeah, yeah. Because the editor, an editor can't tell by reading an imperfect manuscript, can I work with this person? Is this person going to be able to fix this? There's so much potential here. Will it get there? Yeah. The editor can't tell. But if the manuscript is perfect, the editor doesn't have to tell. Yep. And then it's like the editor gets a free shot at working with you mm. and can decide, 
is it worth, if the next one isn't perfect, I know now, is it worth taking a flyer? Right, yeah. And it's, you know, yeah, yeah, it's tough. It is tough. It's very difficult. And, and, and you know, I am... I make fun of uh, this idea of the book duel. I'll continue to make fun of it, but <laughs> but I am enormously. But I, sympathize. I was going to say yeah. I'm enormously empathetic. Yeah, you know, um, for a very long time, I was like, how how do I do this? How do I get in? Why can't somebody hold my hand and walk me through the door? Yeah, um, yeah. So that's tough. <sighs> All right. Um, so we watched the Emmys this past weekend, and by watched, I mean we were both like on our lap. Well, you don't have a laptop. You're on your iPad. I was on my laptop sitting no. on the couch with the Emmys on. I mean, I truly don't care about award shows. I know you I, don't. I watch them because you watch yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have this, like, really deeply held love for award shows, yeah. primarily the Emmys and the Golden Globes. I don't like, I never liked music award shows. Um, Except for when Taylor Swift is on. <laughs> accurate. Um but I and I like the Oscars have never been my favorite either because I'm right. much more of a TV person than a than a movie person. Um, but I used to really get into the Emmys and the Golden Globes, and obviously when you have kids, like frivolous things like that just sort of <laughs> fall away. But um, but this year in particular, it just felt too frivolous when you know it's the year 2017 and the world is burning, so it, it, it's hard to like get myself jazzed up about things like this. Right. Um, it was also particularly interesting because you're the one who commented to me somewhere in the first, I don't know, hour of the show, like, are, are you enjoying this? Yeah. <laughs> because I was what? Just totally. Tweeting? You were, Is that you were zoned out. You were, I was, yeah. You were on your laptop and it didn't seem like you were on your lap. It didn't seem like you were doing the two screen thing where no. you were following the yeah. Emmys and, and tweeting the Emmys. You seemed like you were distracted. Yeah. It seemed like you were doing two things and not enjoying either one of them. <laughs> That's how it seemed. Yeah, I was catching up on the news, which I didn't enjoy, obviously. And right. um, and yeah, and then having those conflicting feelings about, like, why am I... Uh, like, I shouldn't be live-tweeting the Emmys. Who the F cares? Right. You know? So I was doing that, but I, I it made me think the next day about um, multitasking and, you know, uh, the two-screen two experience, which for certain shows I, I used to like a lot. Um, not so much anymore. It's hard enough for me to, like, stay focused on a single show. Or a single task, I should say. Um, but more and more, I've been reading stuff about how multitasking fries your brain and how um, you may think you're accomplishing things, but you're focusing so little on each thing that you're not achieving or unlocking your full potential with each of them, yada, yada. And yet we live in a world where it's almost impossible not to multitask, right? I would say we live in a world where you have to make a concerted effort not to multitask. Yeah, yes. It is a... It, it is work for yeah. me to force myself to yeah. not multitask. I mean, there are apps designed to yeah. help you not multitask. Yeah. The computer was designed as a multitask machine. Right. And now there are apps that are designed so that you will not multitask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm just looking for commiseration or tips and tools or someone to slap me across the face and tell me this is a, like, privileged person problem. But... I am. A, how do I stop multitasking so I can do things more effectively? What do you do? I mean, for me, honest. I mean, part of it, part of it's generational. Okay, um, but let, I mean, yes, you and I are eight years apart, but we're not a generation apart. But that is a generation in terms of internet, in terms of computers. You know, you grew up with. Um, 
you had the internet earlier in your life than I did in mine. Okay. Okay. Um, you had a cell phone earlier in your sure. life than I did in mine. Um, you know, Stephen King once said that, and, and I think this was sort of bull, but it's an interesting point. He said, you know, I am one of the last of the generation of authors who grew up learning how to tell stories before television was a mass medium. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he feels that 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 makes his stories a certain way. Yeah. Because he learned, he internalized rules of storytelling before TV redefined yeah, them yeah. for everybody. And, you know, my first computer was basically a glorified word processor. So all I could do was write on it. Yeah. So it, it's a little bit easier for me to sit down and say... This is what I'm doing now. Because you still, maybe like the core of you still thinks this machine is for writing. This machine is for writing. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, ha- yeah, now, does not do that. Having said that, you know, again, there are apps. I mean, yeah, there's, there's yeah. an app called Freedom, yeah. which is awesome. There's an app called Quitter, which is amazing. I'll yeah. put a link to these in the show notes. Um, and, I used to use Freedom. Yeah. Um, I think what I'm, th- let me give a specific example. Sure. Which is that I've been writing every morning on my commute into work. Yes. And you've been getting a lot done. I have. And yet, and yet, I still sit there on the train. I get, well, first of all, I get, I often get distracted by what's going on around me, either by the scenery or by my seatmate. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just that kind of stuff. That's not multitasking. No, that's, that's not. just distraction. No, no, no. Yeah. Is someone looking over my shoulder? Whatever. That kind of stuff. Um, but I do, there are, there's a particular dead zone on my way into the city right outside of Penn, which is where we usually get stuck for eons and eons. So, Right before we're approaching that dead zone, I always stop what I'm doing and check my work email to make sure that nothing's come in in the past 30 minutes that I need to respond to right away. And so, like, that pulls me out. And then I go back in. But then if we're – sometimes there's announcements happening that I need to listen to if we've been – like, there's just all this – all these external factors that I can't control. It's not like I'm sitting – you know, I don't have – I don't have – wi-fi on the train for my laptop so it's not like i'm browsing jezebel or something while i'm trying to write it's more like there are the real world distractions happening that i need to deal with but also i i should be on top of my work so i have to do that as well i guess that i mean i guess maybe that's not technically multitasking it is distraction it is distraction yeah but even here at home like after we finish recording this episode i have to go write yeah and um I'm immediately like, oh, well, let me check Twitter, see what's happened in the past <laughs> few minutes. Let me do this. Let me do that. I meant to send that email. You know what I mean? All right. of this stuff. Right. I mean, really, you know, fortunately, technology has solutions for, for you know, your, your weakness of character. You know? <laughs> I mean, seriously, if you fire up Freedom, if you fire up Quitter, you can't check Twitter. You can't yeah. do those things. Um, you know, and, and we've talked before on the show about the Pomodoro method. Which is a really good way of sort of forcing yourself to work for certain stretches of time. Definitely. Knowing that at the end of that stretch of time, you can have a quick Twitter break. Yeah. Or a quick Facebook break or something like that. Um, and that, that's helped me tremendously. And I know that, that also, you know, there's the old saying that nothing concentrates a man's attention more than the prospect of his hanging in the morning. Um, and <laughs> oh, is that really an old saying? Yes. <laughs> Yes. I can't help it if you are not well read. Um, (laughs) But the the fact of the matter is that right now I have so many projects and so many deadlines. Yeah, you do. Like if you've if you've been following me on social media lately, 
you haven't really been following me because I've been almost 100% absent. That's true. Um, I've done very little on social media lately to the point where when I do something, it feels weird. Um, I am just between the kids and the house and some medical stuff that's going on and a ridiculous number of deadlines, which just got increased by one yes. because I'm crazy like that because I can't turn down awesome that comes my way. Uh-huh. And I got offered an amazing thing that I can't talk about, of course, but of course I said, yes. Yeah. And now that's one more thing. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. And, you know, if I don't get it done, then I don't get it done. What I'm trying to make sure I do, and I hope you do as well, and this is thanks to uh, Chani Nicholas, an amazing astrologer who does wonderful horoscopes. Um, But hers was so on point for me last week. And she talked a lot about how it was going to be a very busy time. This whole month is, is crazy. And she said, you know, you're going to have to make the most of every hour of your day, but I hope you find the joy in each of those hours. And I really was. Like, last week I was in this group where I was finding incredible amounts of joy in, in the the race that I was in. Right. Um, including not just with my personal writing, but with work stuff as well and, and parenthood and et cetera. So I'm hoping that you find that as well. Like, it really is. Like, listeners, seriously, I can't wait to tell you guys. And I don't know, hopefully in a couple of weeks, couple of months, whatever, we'll have some stuff to share with you about what's been going on. There are like, like, there are like three things that are pretty significant Yeah. for various reasons. Some of them are significant are significant because it's like, oh my God, really? Some are personally significant um, that we just can't talk about yet. Yeah. But hopefully like they're we'll, taking up a lot of our time. They're taking up a lot of our time. <laughs> and hopefully we'll be able, I mean, I think we'll be able to talk about one of them in a couple of weeks. And then I know we'll be able to talk about another one probably a week or so after that. Yeah. And uh, the last one will probably not be for quite a while. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so there's just yeah. a, a lot going on yeah. and I'm really trying. And I, I think succeeding for the most part in finding the joy in each of those things. Um, and in the craziness that they entail, I hope you are too, or are you just overstressed? I'm, I'm incredibly stressed. Um, but I mean, at least once a day I have a moment where I go, holy shit, am I actually doing this? You know, I mean, I use the example that I can talk about, which is I'm actually writing the flash. Right. Like today you got the copies. Today I got my author copies of the first book in the flash trilogy. And I'm like, oh my God, like. I actually did that, and and the second book is finished, and I'm going to start the third one soon. Yeah, and like I'm making all these geek references, and I'm writing characters that I've loved for you know, thirty five years, yeah. and 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 I'm like, yeah, this is actually happening. Yeah, um, you know, there is a lot of stress, but you know, even like with the baby, I mean, you know, sometimes he just won't nap, and that's sure. really tough, and that's really stressful. But you know. When I go in to get him from his crib, Ugh. he gives me these big smiles. He stands up God, the in the crib. He gives me big smiles. And no matter how stressed I am, no matter how annoyed I am, no matter how whatever I am in that moment, it's like it's like he's my little buddy, yeah. you know. Um, you know, and and uh, and that's great. Yeah. And it's and it's so much fun. And and even when I go to get Leia from daycare at the end of the day, and I realize, okay, now I'm going to have the two kids for a couple of hours. It's going to be a really stressful couple of hours because yeah. they're both they they both need 100 percent of my attention, <laughs> and that's impossible. Um, but even then, like the look on her face when I pick her yeah. up and she comes running over and goes, "Daddy!" 
and yeah. points to me and says to all of her friends, that's my daddy. <laughs> it, it, it's like, yes, the stress is still there, but there is the joy, yeah, yeah. you know, as well. Well, this, um, this part of the podcast moved from time management slash multitasking to stress management. But I like that. I'm yeah. glad they, they do sort of go hand in hand. They do. They, if you can manage your time, your, your stress yeah. doesn't necessarily go away, but, but it, it becomes more reasonable. Yeah. Um, well, listen, you've got something else to add to your stress, which is that this weekend you're traveling yes. to Baltimore for Baltimore Comic-Con. It's my first time as a guest. Woohoo! <laughs> nice. Yeah. And you've got a panel Saturday night yes, in New uh, York. Barnes & Noble, Union Square. Mm-hmm. I will be on a panel Saturday night. Uh, details on the calendar on my website. I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. Then, yes, Sunday morning I will be at Baltimore Comic-Con. So, yeah, I'll be hopping on a train in there somewhere. Yeah. And last weekend you were at Brooklyn Book Fest. Yeah. So uh, there's been a lot going the, the on. The fall is turning out to be busier travel-wise yeah. than I originally thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got more travel coming up in October and November. That's um, just that's the way it is. It's part of the job. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think we need to wrap it up. Yes. But we've got lots going on, and I, I can't wait to share it with all of you guys. Some cool stuff, folks. And just a reminder, we're coming up on our 100th episode, so we hope to have something cool for you all for that particular episode, which we think will land sometime in January, if our uh, current pace continues. So, um, give us a listen at writinginreallife.com, find us on iTunes, and subscribe to us and rate us while you're there. And have a great week, everyone. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.